everyone, and welcome to the final part, the final episode of our Atomic Habits series. Hi, Kate. Hi. It's Hi. so good to be here. I'm so sad this is our last session. It's a little bittersweet. It's so lovely that we've gotten to this this far, but on the other hand, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe it's over. That's it? What? I'm feeling so strong in my Atomic Habits. <laughs> Ooh. This has been game-changing for me. Oh. That makes me so happy. And I want to hear from you guys. Like, make sure you comment and, like, tell us how this is affecting you. We love hearing from you. It's been so great to have the integration sessions, but, like, find us on Instagram. Like, message us. Like, how has this gone for you? Like, what light bulbs, brain explosions have happened for you here? We want to know. Yes. And uh, Kate's socials as well as my own are in the show notes. But, Kate, what? how can people find you on Instagram and life? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, my personal Instagram is xx. Kate Bone, like kiss, kiss, Kate Bone. And then the creative community, Wonderwell, is the.wonderwell on Instagram. Easy. Absolutely so easy. easy. So simple. I love it. Well, so definitely find her. Find me on Instagram as well. I'm at, at Mentors on the Mic or at Michelle Simone Miller. And yeah, let us know what you think. And let's dive in, Kate. So we've already gone over a couple of things. We had our first episode that was really just sort of introducing it, making it all about your identity as opposed to goal-based habits. If you haven't heard it, definitely go back. You don't have to do it right now. Feel free to just listen to this first. But afterwards, go back to all of them because they're so good. So the first one was very much an introduction. The second one was really our first law, make it obvious. The second one was make it attractive. The third one was make it easy. And now we're on our fourth and final law that James Clear introduces to us. So Kate, can you let us know a little bit about this? What is make it satisfying? We got to make it satisfying, y'all. We got to feel accomplished. At the end of doing this habit that was obvious to do, that was attractive to do, that was easy to do, we need to feel like, mm, that really hit the spot. And so the first tip he gives us is that we need to use reinforcement. And I think this is what I was talking about a couple episodes ago when I was talking about giving myself little treats after uploading my class to the Wonderwell Embodiment Studio and giving myself a chocolate covered almond after every single step of the upload process. <laughs> We have to give ourselves rewards. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. So he introduces this cardinal rule of behavior, behavior change that it has to feel good. And he gives this example that in the early 1900s, scientist Stephen Luby goes to Karachi, Pakistan to help with a public health crisis. It was a very populated city, but most people were not living in sanitary conditions. And it was a public health crisis. And the people knew that they needed to wash their hands. They knew that it was good for them and that it could help with all these diseases that were taking place. But they just had bar soap, which was just like, okay. And people were like, not washing their hands. So again, here we have this concept of like, I know it's good for me, but I just don't really want to do it. Do you ever have that feeling, Michelle? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's like, I know. <laughs> I know this is going to be good for me to not do this or to do more, to drink more water. That's a hard one for me. I have to <sighs> constantly make it easy and make it available and make it right in front of me and employ a lot of these techniques in order to drink and hydrate because it is not my thing. 
Yeah. He talks about how what they had to do was they partnered with Procter and Gamble to supply the neighborhood with Safeguard premium soap. Hello, premium soap. And this was a foamy, fragrant, and a real enhancement in a sensory experience. And Luby says it's a lot easier for people to adopt a product that provides a positive sensory signal. For example, the mint taste of toothpaste than it is to adopt a habit that does not provide pleasurable sensory feedback like flossing one's teeth. <laughs> yeah, it means a lot of a lot of toothpaste don't need to have that minty aftertaste or whatever, but they noticed that people will want to buy it more because of how refreshing that taste was at the end of brushing your teeth. And it made them feel like it was just cleaner and like more refreshing. And they looked for that reward in order for them to brush their teeth. This is something huge. Actually, I have another example I read in a different book, I think it was Power of Habit, where it's the same thing with like Febreze. They marketed Febreze a certain way. Um, and people weren't getting how much better it was for the whole thing they, they had marketed it that it would um get rid of smell or something and people were like eh but what they ended up marketing it like they changed the marketing strategy so that when you when you spray Febreze, it was a way that at the end of your routine of cleaning, you have you you do it at the end, and it makes it set like smell more refreshing and more like it's a completion of a job well done. And so they started marketing that, and all of a sudden Febreze was going through like in sales, like people were going crazy over it. They wanted that smell at the end of their cleaning in order for them to feel rewarded at the end of cleaning their place. That's crazy because that's totally not something that you need is to like spray something in the air, especially if you've already been using cleaning products that probably have a fragrance. But what they did was they made a little habit stack and they were like, actually, you thought you were done cleaning, but you're not really done until you've sprayed Febreze in the room. And that's the final moment. And then you see the housewife like spraying it and being like, <gasps> exactly. And I think that the Febreze prior to didn't have a smell. Like, I think they changed the formula to add a smell. I'm pretty sure I remember reading this because I thought it was fascinating. Like, it used to just neutralize odors, but, like, exactly. neutral is not enough. Again, we need those condensed experiences that really, like, pack that punch. Like, we need to just hit yeah. the nose fully with the fragrance. Basically, after they introduced this sensory soap to this public health crisis in... Pakistan. First of all, it immediately boosted the health outcomes by like over 50% in every category that was struggling or in crisis. But here's the thing. This is what we need to get. This is the lesson here is that six years later, 95% of the participants in the study were still washing their hands. And he also adds this really cool fact in here, just like the Febreze, but like when Wrigley added fun flavors to chewing gum, the mm. gum market skyrocketed. Like you're gonna want the thing that is satisfying. So these positive sensory experiences give a basic signal to the brain of like, this feels good, do this again next time. This feels good, do this again next time. So when we go back to our habit loop, remember our habit loop, cue, craving, response, reward, laws one, two, and three increase the odds that a behavior will be performed this time. So making it obvious, making it attractive, making it easy, make it easy to do that habit this time. But this fourth law to make it satisfying, increase the odds that this behavior will increase next time. 
So really this satisfaction of like, I just did that is the most important thing you can implement for making sure that your habits last. That's it. And that's how it becomes a habit, right? That's that's how something, an isolated incident becomes something you feel like you need to do again or want to do again. It's that reward at the end, that feeling of satisfaction, that feeling like, oh, I, I loved cleaning. I loved, I loved having a, I loved brushing my teeth because now my teeth feel like refreshed and like minty fresh, right? It's that idea of like, I'm going to do this again because that reward was so satisfying. And now it becomes a habit you do almost automatically without even thinking about it sometimes. Okay, so let's talk about gratification. So he goes on to talk about the mismatch between immediate and delayed rewards. So he says in the book, imagine you're an animal roaming the plains of Africa. On any given day, most of your decisions have an immediate impact. You're always thinking about where to eat, where to sleep, how to avoid a predator. We're in the limbic system, that fight, flight, freeze. You are constantly focused on the present or in the very near future. So you live in what scientists call an immediate return environment. I'm only focused about the now, which is why when we're in states of stress, it's really hard for us to access the creative brain or access long-term thinking. It's because like, I just need to be okay right now. It's black or white. It's safe. It's not safe. It's okay. It's not okay. It's familiar or it's not familiar. So Switch back to your human self. In modern society, he says here in the book, many of the choices you make today will not benefit you immediately. If you do a good job at work, you'll get a paycheck in a few weeks. If you exercise today, perhaps you won't be overweight next year. If you save money now, maybe you'll have enough for retirement decades from now. You live in what scientists call a delayed return environment because you can work for years before your actions deliver the intended payoff. This was like mind blowing to me. This I was like, huge. Oh, whoa. Yeah. And he says it's only recently that during the last 500 years or so that society has shifted into a predominantly delayed return environment. I mean, let's think about it. Over the last hundred years, so many advancements in technology have taken place. We have seen the rise of the automobile. That's right. Last hundred years, <laughs> the Crazy. airplane the television, the personal computer, the internet, the smartphone, and Beyonce. Right. I love I mean, that our generation, Beyonce in here. Our generation's so spoiled if we think about like, how we much we get so things much. quickly. But again, going back to what we talked about in episode three about making it attractive, we're working off of this hardwiring of the human system that's paleolithic, and we're living in this modern world. So let's keep reminding ourselves of that because we're working with really old hardwiring and we have so much that's here for us. So he says that we need to turn instant gratification into our advantage. And he says mm. that in a perfect world, the reward for the good habit is the habit itself. That's where we want to be. But before the habit itself, like for me right now, I was talking about how I love making yoga and meditation videos for the embodiment studio, but I just hate the like editing, uploading and like posting it right now. The embodiment studio is like, it's just breaking even like she's just like taking care of herself and that's where I'm at and that's fine. That's where I'm at right now, but I can't really see the like incentive of like, Oh, for me to get this up there. Like, what am I really going to get? Like, 
not a lot. So I have to give myself chocolate covered almonds for right now, <laughs> but eventually it will be really supportive and it'll grow and it'll be really profitable. And so then I'll be like, Oh, I can't wait to get this up there because I'm going to get comments from my people that are taking the videos. I'm going to get feedback from my community. I'm going to get money. I'm going to get financial resources. So we have to find ways to incentivize ourselves along the way until the evidence stacks for itself. Yeah. And this goes back to like the very beginning, that first episode where we talk about like, figure out who you want to be and then prove it to yourself with wins. We're proving it, girl. We're proving it. So sometimes it's like, we don't really, we don't see it right away. You know, like even if I think about my podcast, right, you know, you just, you put out, you put out episodes sometimes into the abyss and you hope that people like you guys are listening and learning and like liking it. But I don't know when we're making it, what we're doing, you know, like it's, it's one of those things where you just go, okay, you start off just putting things out there and then you kind of keep doing it. And then eventually Mm -hmm. I can call myself a podcast host. And then eventually like, you know, but the whole idea is instant gratification. So what do Mm -hmm. we do right now, knowing that this is how our brains work, right? Knowing that it's really difficult sometimes to do things with an incentive that happens, you know, within a year or two years or whatever the long-term game is. Right. I love that. I love that you talked about bringing it back to identity, bringing it back to part one, you posting these podcast episodes and getting this going like you are at that point now where you can confidently say I am a podcast host because look at my track record and it's just going to grow and grow and grow. I know. And it's nice. And it's nice. You know, we said earlier, guys, give us your feedback, but that's kind of what keeps us going. You know, I sometimes save really great messages and I just go back to them when I need that instant gratification because sometimes these things are hard sometimes you have to put up all these episodes and edit them and oh god the editing oh, of this is just these things take forever but it's important to kind of trick our brains and give ourselves instant gratification in the moment so that we could keep going on with something but yeah it's really lovely thanks for bringing that one up and that's actually what james clear talks about next he talks about how do we get our habits to stick so that we feel immediately successful after completion, even if we aren't at our end goal yet. How can we make these habits really satisfying, even if in a really small way? So one of the ways that he suggests is a habit tracker. Keep track of your habit streak and don't break the chain. I love this because he talks about one of my personal heroes, Jerry Seinfeld, who has a streak of writing one joke a day. And it was not about the quality of the joke. He wasn't measuring like, was this a five-star joke or a one-star joke? He's just like, I have to write a joke every single day. And his whole thing was like, I just got to keep the streak alive. We talk a lot about this in the artist way. There's like a prayer in there that's like, dear universe, you take care of the quality and I will take care of the quantity. I will show up to the page and I will do my work, please, on one of these days, (laughs) bless me with really great quality, but just knowing that we're there to show up for it. Exactly. And so it's great to give ourselves those immediate feelings of relief by using tools, right? We use the the example in the book is habit trackers, right? This idea of tracking a habit so that you check off for yourself every day things that you've done or worked on or whether you were able to do that habit. And the idea of checking it off is a huge instant gratification. Um, and I personally subscribe to this wholeheartedly. Like, so I, I changed, I used to make to-do lists every day, I still sometimes do. And instead of calling it to-do list, I call it get to 
to-do list, which kind of goes back to our other point, right? We get to do this, not we don't have to. But then we, you know, I make this list and then every time I'm done with a particular task, I cross it off. So instant gratification and I check it off because I want to give myself extra gratification. Um, And then I also now have this like additional habit tracker where like I'm trying to do more action. I'm trying to like act on things more and like less being in motion as we talked about a couple weeks ago. So I have a very major tracker that I'm working on and every day I put three actions that I've done um so if I've done three actions towards my goals which I hopefully have if not eh, whatever but the point being is like I'm trying to get on this so habit trackers are really gratifying in fact if you're coming to our integration call this Sunday we've created a few different habit trackers that are all very exciting so you could choose the one that you feel is most satisfying you can make one for one habit and another habit tracker for another but they're really fun to just keep yourself accountable. Mm. I love it because the habit tracker really applies to the four laws of habit formation, which is that it makes it obvious of what you're doing and what you're not doing. A lot of times we don't have as good of self-perception as we think we do. So when you see it on the page, you're like, oh, it's obvious that I did this or I didn't do this. There's no like faking it or fudging it. It's like you either wrote the three morning pages or you didn't. The second one is make it attractive. Uh, when we see that we're moving forward, we want to keep moving forward. We are like, Oh, I'm getting momentum. It's attractive. Research shows that people who track their progress are more likely to be successful and meet their goal. And it's also satisfying. We just, like you just said, we love the feeling of checking things off the list. It feels so good. I can't think of a better high. Now, Kate, what happens? And we talked about this in the integration call, but what happens, Kate, if you skip one day, right? If you're doing your habit and you're like, okay, I need to do my habit every day. It's like a five, seven, whatever day, week thing. And you skip one day, life happens. We get into a bad mood. We're sick. We're not feeling well. We're lazy on that day. What if you skip? Well, what James Clear recommends in the book is to have this rule for yourself that you never miss two days. It's okay to miss that one day. If you're off, it just didn't happen. There was a meltdown. There was an accident. There was a curveball. It's okay. Just don't miss two days. And I love that because it gives us some grace. And it. I think it helps as myself as a recovering perfectionist. It gives me a little bit of ground to be like, all is not lost. This is fine. Let's just pick it up tomorrow. And I think it's really important to kind of underline this because not only is it it is it picking it up so you make sure that that habit the new habit you're trying to implement works and it's consistent but also goes again back to the first thing we talked about about identity-based habits which again if you haven't listened to part one i highly suggest going back to it because it's a short episode but it's so so relevant the idea that we're trying to prove our new identity with small habits with small wins and so if we are performing a habit and trying to implement this new thing and we skip a day and then we skip a second day to skip maybe a fifth day later on or whatever the case may be all of a sudden there's a lack of wins we're almost we're leaning towards the thing that we do the most so if i'm someone who let me give myself an example um hydrates right if i'm making sure i hydrate and every day i need to drink a certain amount of water in order to feel like i'm a hydrated person and then i start skimping, right? I start missing a day here. I start missing a day there. I have to like restart and kind of go again the following week. All of a sudden I realize, well, the amount that I'm not drinking this much 
outweighs the amount that I am actually drinking the certain amount I want to every day. And so it's hard to prove yourself that identity of I am now a hydrated person or whatever the habit is that you're underlining. I don't know if that's the best example, Kate, but uh, we're, we're on it already. The point is, is you're trying to underline this new identity. And if you're taking away those wins, if you're not doing it as often as you had intended, right, if you don't go back to that habit, you're actually not proving anything to yourself. You're proving yourself that you're not that. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Then you can see it on the page and it's right there for you to really reckon with. The thing about the habit trackers that I think is really important to keep in mind is that tracking a habit is another habit. (laughs) So don't get too caught up in it, but just implement your habit stacking. So after I perform the habit, I track the habit and make it easy for yourself put it in a place where you're going to have your habit tracker if you're always traveling and in different places like have it on your phone so you can track that habit anywhere I know there are apps and stuff you can use um, but make it easy for yourself uh, so that you can prove who you're becoming with your small wins. did you know that Throughout the process of this Atomic Habits mini-series, I have broken the habit of looking at my phone first thing in the morning. She broke it. You know how I did it, you guys? All these tools. I'm not going to lie. I've, I'm have i still working on that one, but I've been using the tools. Yeah, we might have to get a little bit more specific about it. Like, okay, I'm not going to... If you say very generally, I'm not going to check my phone in the morning, it's like, yeah, until when? What do you need to do before it's okay to check the phone? Like, you have to make that line really clear for yourself. And for me, it's really been helping to, I don't sleep with my phone in the room anymore. I leave it in my office. And when I'm in the morning and I'm doing my workout routine and everything, I use my iPad for like my video lessons. So Mm. I'm not on my phone. It's not tempting me. Mm. And I think the thing that is clutch is having that protected time in the morning before looking at my phone because if I don't I'm gonna have scrambled egg brain where I'm just searching for that dopamine hit over and over and over again those little mice sticking their nose into the box we can't have it and actually like the cave day community that I mentioned last last, or a couple weeks ago the the they actually say do not have your phone anywhere near you like put it in a drawer put it literally put it in a different room and they said it's because it makes you more stupid like you are not able to cook. like they literally use those words and I cuz I remember it like hit me I was like oh okay they're like it actually dumbs you down to do your task because you're thinking subconsciously about your phone and you're kind of going back to it in your head and so it's a matter of just like don't be dumb put it away put it somewhere <gasps> far away it's not easy for you to get to it's harder for you to get to just for that one task when that task is over they give you a couple minutes check your phone do what you need to do love it i'm just so proud of us Okay, I have a little bit of nuance for you guys as far as tracking habits. And I think that this really goes into what you were talking about, Michelle, about like those serious action items, like not just in motion, but like actually moving through a distance, like actually getting stuff done that matters. We want to track habits that actually move us forward. So I want you guys to think about this. Just because you're measuring something doesn't mean it's the most important thing to measure. In the book, James Clear gives this example of like, let's say you're running a restaurant and you want to know if your chef is doing a good job. Sure, one way to measure success is by looking at how many customers were brought in. But if we're only tracking revenue, it doesn't tell us the full story of if the chef is doing a good job. 
we need to know if people enjoyed the meal. So we might look for metrics like how many people are returning customers. They're coming back for more. They're regulars. How many good reviews did we get? Are people leaving generous tips? When you talk to people at the end of their meal and you're gauging how are how were things for y'all and really reading that reaction of like, it was good or like, oh my God, this was amazing. I loved this and this and this. So make sure that when you're setting up your habit tracker and we're gonna go over this on our last integration session tomorrow, sad face, um, we need to make sure that what we're measuring matters. And it's not tomorrow, it'll be on Monday. Oh, I'm sorry. Not tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be on Monday. Yeah, Monday. so this is different. All of our integration calls have been on Sunday, but this last one's on Monday. Monday, February 6th. Perfect. Okay, so here's what we want you all to think about. And if you're joining us in the integration groups, you've already got your accountability partners Hi, built friend. in. And we're going to be talking about that on Monday. But think about it. How can you work with an accountability partner? How can you ask somebody to watch your behavior? How can you create a habit contract that potentially even gives you a consequence for if you don't do your habits? Uh, James Clear talks about this magnifying effect of accountability and he talks about habit contracts and how, God, he gives a lot of like weight loss tips in this book. And we should have probably done like a content warning at the beginning of this, but clearly he comes from like an athletic background, which has like a very measured sort of like neutral ish way of looking at like weight and like weighing yourself and like measuring your food. But for some people in a different context, that could be totally disordered. Um, but I want, so that he gives this example of Brian Harris, this entrepreneur who sets up a very intense weight loss and nutrition protocol for himself. And he made a contract that he said, if he didn't do these daily tasks, like logging all of his food, he would have to dress up for work in like a suit and a tie and show up to work like that for the rest of the quarter and on Sundays. <laughs> and that was like enough punishment for himself to be like, I don't want to miss a day because I want to be able, I'm an entrepreneur. I work from home. I want to be able to wear sweatpants. So you could give a consequence to yourself if you want to do that, or you could set up an accountability partner where like the worst thing that would happen is that whoever you're accountable to, you would have to like show up to that meeting and say like, I didn't finish it. But even just the act of saying it aloud, saying it to so someone, intense. saying it like, like it's saying painful. to someone, I'm going to do this. And like, just knowing that like someone else in the ether is like kind of thinking you will is enough often just to kind of give us more in, like initiative to do something. Yeah. And he talks about Margaret Cho, who's one of my fave comedians, she has this friend that she writes a song a day with. And so they show up and they're accountable to each other. And just the thought of showing up to that meeting and saying like, Oh, I didn't do it. Or I don't have something funny to share is so not pleasurable, not satisfying that we're gonna do whatever it takes to make sure that we have that joke of the day or that song of the day. Another super funny example he gives is this other entrepreneur who wants to wake up at 555 every morning. And if he doesn't, there's an automatic tweet that goes off at 610 that literally says like, I'm lazy and I'm in bed and I'll pay you $5. <laughs> so it would literally cost him money and it works. It gets him out of bed to so that he can disable that automatic tweet that's going to go out. You know what we do in Wonderwell that I really like? We give ourselves something that we're going to do if we fall off that's like nourishing. <laughs> 
I don't know if it works the same in the brain. Maybe we do need to introduce more consequences. <laughs> but I always say like, what's like, you, you miss something. Yeah, you have to show up the group and say like, oh, this didn't work. But you also have to like double down on your nourishment because clearly something's off that like if you're not creating from a place of overflow, you need to be nourishing more. And so I think, yeah, I think that's a nice way to think about it. But let's face it, some of us really are motivated by pain. And like, if that's you, you just got to ride with that. Yeah. So what should we, what do we want them to leave with? What do we want? So think about your accountability structures. I want you to think about, are you going to create a consequence for yourself, your own habit contract and get really, really specific about what you're measuring? Or are you going to have a meetup with a friend where you have to say that you did it or you didn't do it, share it, or you don't get to share it? What's going to be your accountability structure for your habits? And use us. I mean, come to the integration call on Monday, February 6th for our last one. Uh, message us. You can use us if you want. Just message us like, this is the habit I'm trying to implement. This is the habit I'm trying to break. Um, and we'll just be like, great, noted. You know, maybe maybe we can pick a time to follow up, you know, via message or something on, on how that's going. So use us. Uh, come to the integration call. Use that as accountability as well. And we can put that stuff together. And we're giving out some crazy, wonderful handouts not only habit tracker but we also created a habit contract so there's that for you you don't have to do it yourself oh it's gonna be gorgeous and even the artist way has a habit contract if i like a contract for yeah there is that's how i started doing contracts with myself actually it all started because i got hired to like score a couple short films and I had never seen like a creative contract. This was like 10 years ago. I had never seen like a, like an actual legal contract for doing creative work. And it freaked me out so much <laughs> that I was like, Oh, I've actually never had a structure that I really had to be accountable to. And so part of what we do at Wonderwell is like, Hey, set yourself up to like create a contract, to learn how to create on a timeline, put that pressure on yourself to show up as the thing you want to be the thing you want to be paid for before the opportunity is there. Perfect. All right. Well, guys, we can't wait to hear all about your rewards and your consequences and your, you know, your reinforcements, if you will, on Monday, February 6th. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet, please go back, listen to all the other episodes, learn all the little tips and tricks James Clear talks about. And Kate, it's been an absolute pleasure to host to co-host this mini series with you. And I thank you so much for coming into my orbit and to, you know, practicing what you preach and being a model and an example to all and just guys check her out on instagram xx kate bone check her out um, in her community if you want to hear more about her community wonder well if this sounds at all interesting to you write to her it's a fantastic group of people that she's put together um and uh yeah I even just get on her mailing list and just get some of the like nuggets that she like puts out every once in a while it's just it's such great energy such great love in those emails and uh i love being on that mailing list so thank you thanks michelle thank you so much for having me this was such a master's class edition of atomic habits and i can really feel the changes already here i mean i'm already waking up and not looking at my phone which i think is better for the whole planet huge listen it's an atomic <laughs> habit right that's a great way to end on this is an atomic <laughs> habit that'll have incredible impactful change and it's just something small as simple as don't check your phone when you wake up in the morning can change your whole day and i feel the same way I love that. Thank you again. You're such a generous host. And I just loved being here. 
Loved having you. Bye, everyone. We'll talk to you very soon. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't yet, do me a favor. Drop a five-star review. Follow on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And find me on Instagram. I'm at at Michelle Simone Miller and at Mentors on the Mic. Share this in your stories. Let me know what you think. Share it with a friend. And I'll see you next time. 